And I'm Marcus Rosati. And this is Passport Necessary, a podcast dedicated to what it's like being a TCK adult and having been TCK children, how it affects our adulthood mm-hmm. now. Um, and today we are going to be talking about bilingualism. Um, mm-hmm. The very basic definition is that you can speak two languages, bilingualism. Um, <laughs> so I guess to start, Marcus, would you consider yourself bilingual? I'm not entirely sure if I would necessarily consider myself bilingual, but I definitely have the... I can speak English, obviously. Uh, my French is reasonable. Uh, Japanese, I'm forgetting that very rapidly because I never have any chance to use it. Mm. But um, I certainly am interested in languages and learning them, and I do have the ability to do that. I can speak a tiny amount of German and understand it reasonably well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's partially self-taught. It's one of those things is I think, you know, once you have more than one language in your head, it becomes a little bit easier to pick up other ones because you know some of the rules and some of the games that you can play in terms of teaching yourself to learn words and use the language itself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one, being being able to speak at least more than one language to a reasonable extent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I myself, uh, yeah, I was going to say myself, I am definitely bilingual. I grew mm. up speaking both French and English. My dad is French. My mom is American. And they decided when, I mean, basically when we were babies that we were going to learn both languages at the same time, which Mm -hmm. in itself has its own difficulties now that I'm an adult and when I speak. But um, yeah, I am fluent speaking wise in both French and English. I do make a few more grammatical mistakes in French than I do in English when I talk. Um, I write fluently in English. I'm not as fluent of a writer in French, and that's all my fault. Mm -hmm. I just don't practice (laughs) writing in French that often. But I read both clearly, and I I love Mm -hmm. reading in either language. Um, It's funny. I actually have a funny story based on, you know, speaking both. There was a movie that I was watching with my partner where it it is in French and the whole time there was subtitling at the bottom and at one point he asked me he was like are you reading the subtitles or are you just watching the movie and I sat and I thought about it and I was like I think I'm just watching the movie but once in a while I catch myself looking at the subtitles because I'm curious to see how they translated certain words or ideas because sometimes there's an like a specific word that you use in French that we don't have in English and that sounds weird if you would use a direct translation so yeah I think that was something that he brought it up and I was like oh that's so I never even thought about it (laughs) like how how would I confront this and I was like oh yeah I just I would just watch it and I listen to it in French but once in a while I look at the subtitle I'm like that was a weird choice of words to translate with. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was funny because I was look what for some reason I don't know why it was it's, it's that uh, scene from Cyrano de Bergerac with uh, Depardieu. Mm-hmm. Which um, one? Is it the fight? Uh, yeah, the sword fighting scene, and I was looking at that and kind of looking at some of the translations, and you kind of go, "But it's not what he's saying. <laughs> it's I know. not what he's saying." I that happened. I literally watched that clip probably less than a month ago because I was talking Mm -hmm. about it with Jay. I don't know why it came up, 
<laughs> but I watched the whole thing and I was like, that's not how you would translate that. That's a weird way of making that rhyme because they were still trying to make it yeah. rhyme in English. Yes. And I was like, oh, this is such an, because that's the thing that's so interesting with translation. If you're just doing a direct translation, sometimes you lose mm -hmm. the nuance of the language. And then if you're yeah. trying to copy the form, such as a poem, where now it has to rhyme, mm -hmm. then you have to think about meter and you have to think about what words rhyme in English versus words that rhyme in French. And sometimes that word just doesn't exist. So you have to like yes. create a rhyme or you have to like break up the lines in a different way. It's fascinating. I think translation is like it is. so interesting. Um, but yeah, that was so funny that you brought that up because I just watched it like less than a month ago. Um, Great minds. Oh, it's such, so good. Um, I guess when I was living in Japan, I, I would never say I got fluent. I got passable. I got like kindergarten level where like if I needed to order food, I needed to find a bathroom, needed directions. I could manage. Um, yeah, but I yeah. never got anywhere near conversational. Um, I was pretty conversational in Spanish when I lived in Guatemala. Mm. I was also very young. Um, and a good portion of the kids who I went to school with spoke Spanish. So that was, I, I had to use it. I, I feel like that's yeah. a big part of learning the language is when you're in the country and you have to use it or you are going to struggle to survive, your brain is far more capable of picking it up and learning it than when you're just trying to learn a language in your mother country where you don't have to learn yeah. that language. I think it's a funny thing. It's just like learning any learning any skill. If you know that you're going to have to use it in order to make a living or something like that, you are going to develop it quickly. And if you don't develop it, you will not get what you need or what you want. Mm -hmm. It's a funny thing because I think like language is like any kind of skill. You do need to work on it, and you can lose it a little bit. It's always been my big fear of losing the ability to speak languages. That's and it happens because you if you don't use it, you lose it. It's essentially pretty much like that. Mm -hmm. um, and it's it, it's a kind of a scary thought, you know. You hear stories of people like having a language that they spoke as a child, and they're just not able to speak it as an adult anymore because they just never use it. I know that's what I'm terrified of with French mm. because honestly, the only times I really speak French are when I speak to my family, because my yeah. my dad speaks French, my mom speaks French, and I speak to them both in French and in English. But I try as much mm. as possible to speak to them. Because otherwise, living here in the U.S., even though we're close to Canada where I live, I, most mm. people in Canada will speak English, you know, yeah. just to start. Like, the that's where, unless you're in Quebec, but <laughs> we're not that close to Quebec. So, um, yeah, it's it, it kind of sucks where, like, I wish I used it more often and I really just, I don't. Yeah. It's kind of a shame. Um, but I think a big part of it is making myself watch more like French movies and yes. making myself really like try and read French plays or French books where like it keeps that muscle working so that I don't lose it completely. And that's why whenever I meet someone here in the States who does speak French, I'm always like, oh, yes, I get a chance to speak French <laughs> with you. And I like make them speak French with me. Basically, yeah. I like co-op them into a conversation. They're like, oh, um, I wasn't ready for this, but okay, <laughs> we'll do this. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's the same here because, like, you know, pretty, it's really difficult to find people who can speak a second language a lot of the time. I mean, mm -hmm. even being in a city that does have a lot of people coming from abroad, it's it's um, it's difficult to get opportunities to speak another language because 
in Britain people do speak one language and it's English. Mm-hmm. That's that's what they use. Do you have uh, to learn another language in school? People try. Okay. Um, but it's not that effective. I mean, normally you'd be looking at sort of like either French or German. Those are the two that you would normally expect. Some people learn Spanish. Um, but then you wouldn't, they don't really learn any other languages mm-hmm. so much. And I don't know many people who are fluent in a second language most of the time. Okay. I was just curious because I know in the States they like, I think it's like two or three years of language that you have to take when you're like in mm-hmm. high school. I know most people do Spanish or French. Those are like the really common ones. Although mm-hmm. um, I did have quite a few students when I was in college who um, said that they were implementing more Chinese within high school. So like that you could learn sense. Chinese. Um, it's not like common, I don't think. But mm-hmm. from what they were telling me, at least within New York City, there were more schools that were offering mm-hmm. Chinese as a language course within high school which I think is really cool and very useful. We have a lot of yeah. trade and commerce with China, so it makes sense to have more people who can speak Chinese. Yes. And it's not an easy language to learn from no, a Western point isn't. of view. Um, although I thought that was funny when we were living in Japan, a lot of Japanese speakers would say that English was a very, very hard language, which I now agree with. I When I was younger, I was like, English is easy, but it's easy because <laughs> I grew up speaking it and learning it. Yes. I think that for someone who is not an English speaker and learning English, it's very hard because there's so many quote unquote rules that constantly yes. are broken. There's a lot of weird spellings that don't always make mm-hmm. sense. And then sometimes conjugation is weird. Like it really is not an oh, easy yeah. language to learn because it, it is a melting pot language where it kind of yeah. pack ratted from a bunch of different uh, cultures and then was like, yep, this is a new language, which I mean, you could say yeah. a lot of other languages are like that, but I think English is this is the most recent one of that where we still constantly are co-opting other people's dialects and languages and words yes. and bringing them into the language and, like colloquialisms is probably one of the hardest things to learn from a foreigner's point of view. Yeah. I mean, you definitely see that even in, within the UK, there are different sort of colloquialisms up and down the country. Mm-hmm. It makes it, it can, you, you have to have the ability to learn them quite quickly because otherwise they won't, you'll be able to speak to people because mm-hmm. <laughs> they will use these on a regular basis. It's just common for people to use them. Yeah, I think. Which is I, important. Yeah, I was going to say, I think one of the hardest things to learn from someone who's not an English speaker learning English is all the colloquialisms and idioms. We constantly Mm. use idioms in our language to the point where it like, we can use them and people automatically know what we're talking about. So as a foreigner, you would be like, wait, what are you talking? Like uh, two in the hand is better than one in the bush. Like we know what that means. That's a common idiom that is used. Um, But if you're a foreigner, you're like, what are you talking about? Why are there two in your hands? What's in the bush? What's this? Like, <laughs> yeah. like, unless you have the context of what that idiom means, it is very confusing. Um, it is, yeah. And actually, I don't know if it happened to you in Japan, but it happened to me quite a bit where I would be on the train going to school or coming back from school, and I would have Japanese students come up to me and ask me for help with their English homework. Like, they would come up to me and they'd be like, is this correct? 
like they would they would assume i was american which i mean i was very obviously loud and american so they were like yes you you know what you're doing so they would come up to me and they'd be like is this correct is this is this right and i would look over it and i would be like yeah no this is good and they would always ask why 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 is this uh-huh. and i would be like i have no idea how to explain to you why it's correct i just know it's correct i never had anybody actually ask to help them with the homework, but you did have people trying to speak to you in English when they could, which is understandable. I mean, if you don't have the chance to speak it and you find somebody who can, you're going to try and practice it. Um, oh, it's the same thing with with trying the French. I mean, it's like you have you need to practice it and you want to practice it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, I think it's exactly the same thing for them. It's that they start trying to speak to you in English because what other opportunity are you going to get? It's just like, oh, I can't believe my luck. Somebody who speaks English. I'm an English speaker. Yeah, no, that did happen to me quite often, um, mm. especially because we both, we lived in more of the bigger cities, so there's a lot more yeah. foreigners and then Japanese people who learn English within those bigger cities. Um, yeah. Yeah, I definitely interacted a couple of times with people who were like, oh, you're an American? I'm going to speak English to you. And I was like, yeah, cool. Yeah. Let's let's do it. Let's run with it. It was always exciting for me. I always liked it because it's the same feeling I get when I meet someone who speaks French here in the States, it's like, oh, yes. finally someone who like I can communicate with in this other language. It, it, feels, it feels like you're connecting with someone in a different way. Yeah. I remember having conversations with people who were bilingual who said that, you know, having a second language helps you think in a different way because of the way the language works. You, and also there might be words that they use that don't exist in your language so you can express something that you might not be able to express in one language but you can in another yeah which i find interesting oh absolutely i think there are there are quite a few times where i'll be talking to jay or even my friends and i'll have a moment where i'm like trying to use a word and i cannot think of what it is in english and I can, like, I have the word screaming at me in French in my brain. And I'm like, that's, <laughs> these people don't know what this word is. So then I have to, like, try and, like, work around it and find, like, descriptor words. And it takes me, like, a half of a minute to explain what I'm trying to say. And they're like, oh, this word. I'm like, sure, whatever. That sounds close yeah. enough. So I'll go with it. But, like, there have been times where I'm trying to use a term. And I know it's not exactly what I'm trying to use. But I'll just use the english equivalent that's close enough because it's close enough and i know there isn't an english equivalent no yeah i mean i think it's also a thing is that i don't know whether like you experience this but i mean i think you love trying to find the word and all that sort of stuff i always have real problems with autocorrect because it'll try and pick words out for me Mm -hmm. and you kind of go it's sort of the meaning i'm going for but it's not the meaning i want it's not that's not the word so i get really annoyed because i think when i try and use language i try to be really precise because i have like a specific idea i'm trying to put across Mm -hmm. um and i think maybe my use of language is maybe more complicated than most people would use for the simple reason that if you need to communicate with people who come from different cultures and different societies you need to have very precise use of language mm-hmm. so you might be using a particular word because you particularly mean it and you want somebody to understand that that's what you mean uh, and it's funny because english people will always come up and say you're very well spoken it's like you're not going to be understood if you don't speak like this in other places you have to have this sort of very i suppose generally quite formal way of speaking mm-hmm. and have quite a neutral accent because even some people like i've spoken to spanish people who speak english they find my accent difficult to understand because mm-hmm. um, they're more used to hearing american accents and things like that yeah so the more precise and 
you can be with your language, the better. That's actually something that happens to me a lot here in the States is I'll tell people, oh, I'm from Louisiana. And they're like, wow, you really don't have a strong Louisiana accent. It's like, well, one, my mom doesn't have a, a very strong accent unless she has like maybe a drink or two or she spends a lot of time with my Louisiana family. And then it's like, oh, yeah, there it is. Um, but also, yeah. I think my accent became very um, kind of like a neutral American accent, quote unquote, because yeah. Yeah. going to international schools this, for most of my uh, school career was within the American system. Um, having a more neutral American accent made it easier to be understood by a lot of different students. Yes. And so getting that more neutral tone meant that more people could understand. Um, and it also meant that when you were speaking with other people who were not American, who were used to the American accent, as soon as yeah. you put on an accent, it's a lot harder and if you go too yes. fast, it's also very hard. So training myself to try and speak a little slower and also to neutralize my accent a little did make it a lot easier for people to understand what I was trying to say. Um, but I think one of the things that sometimes is very difficult for me when I'm communicating is I, I would say I'm not as precise as you um, with mm -hmm. language. Uh, just because a lot of the times I'm just trying to get the idea out. Um, I, my way of approaching language and communication is, for me, I'd rather get the idea of what I'm trying to say out and then go back and make it precise rather than right. just focusing on like a specific word and getting caught on that. Um, mm -hmm. So a lot of the times I'll try and find a workaround or I'll try and explain in a roundabout way, like however I can get it so that the idea is out there and then we can move forward mm. with the conversation or whatever. Right. Yeah. So I think, I think there's very different ways of communicating and, and, you know, especially in a different country, we all kind of communicate differently, but I think that that's also part of my personality is I would rather the idea get out and then go yeah. back and edit than spend a lot of time editing it before I release it. Yeah. I think that's just my personality. Yeah. That could, yeah, it could be. It. I, it, it's a thing of. Uh, I'm not sure why I'm interested in the position. I think it's. I think it might. It might be some sort of slightly. Stuck-up way of looking at language in the first place, but it's, it's, it's just because the thing is, is that if you don't, especially with the stuff I do in terms of work, if you don't use precise language, I think it's because I don't want to be misinterpreted. Mm -hmm. It's, if you, you uh, it's probably something to do with the particular communication you have to have. The more precise you are with the language, the less room there is for somebody to misinterpret what you're saying. Mm -hmm. So if you say specifically what you mean and somebody comes back, well, you said this, it's like, no, I didn't. I said this. Mm -hmm. I precisely said this. Uh, it means that you just don't have, just because you're avoiding the ability for people to sort of like misinterpret deliberately or, or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just, it's it's important because people need to understand what you're saying and you need to be sure that they've understood what you're saying mm -hmm. because you are dealing with specific things you know like as with body piercing you're deliberately pe dealing with people's bodies so you need the language to be precise and clear mm -hmm. they need to know what's going on oh no I, need to I, make it clear to them. I totally agree I think 
Mm. I, I think for me, it's very situational, but I, I definitely yeah. agree that being precise with your language, especially within a work environment, is very helpful. Yes. You really do need that. I think with more common like dialogue or just like basic communication, like with friends and stuff like that, I think that yeah. for me, I get a lot more familiar and I'll get more general, but definitely within a work environment, precision for me is very important because mm-hmm. I'm always worried of being misinterpreted or someone um, thinking that they've understood what I'm trying to say and then doing something that I wasn't trying to communicate or say. So I I think that's also part of, we talked about it in an, in an episode a while ago, but how like I'm always afraid of people misunderstanding me or viewing me in a negative light. And I think that does leak into the way I communicate in both French and English as I, I do when I'm more colloquial and with friends, it's kind of like whatever they know what I mean. But when it's within a more business profession, it's like, I want to make sure that you know exactly what I'm trying to say because I don't want you to misunderstand me as a person. Yes, there is that. Mm-hmm. I think it also, you know, having the ability to speak more than one language, no matter, you know, does help as well because you are aware of the nuances. You are aware that a word might have two meanings or have a connotation that, generally speaking, wouldn't normally be assumed just because the word, you know, of the way the word exists. Mm-hmm. It's. It, 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 I think thinking about language and having the ability to think about it is important for people because. We use it so often, and I think a lot of people don't think about how they're using it. Um, and that's not necessarily because, you know, whether it's good or bad or not. I think it's just, it, it, it can limit their ability to express themselves, and it can limit their ability to understand what they're being told as well. Mm-hmm. It, it can also kind of limit somebody's ability to understand whether they're being manipulated or not. Am I using this word in order to make you have this feeling? Mm-hmm. Am I using this word in order to make you agree with me because it sounds sophisticated or whatever mm-hmm. or am i using simple language in order to try and make you think i'm friendly yeah there is that as well yeah there's a lot of different ways that language is used um on other people and it really is very interesting and those nuances come from just using the language a lot more and also in- integrating yourself within it like yes. um I always wished I had been more fluent in Japanese. I feel like that would have given Mm. me a lot more freedom of movement and ability of really being able to, you know, kind of go wherever and experience a little bit more than I did. I think that I I got to experience a lot while I was living in Japan, but I feel like there are certain things I missed out on because I couldn't communicate myself in the most effective of ways because I wasn't fluent enough. So there was always this element of like, I really have to rely on my friends who are Japanese speakers, or I would have to rely on technology like a phone, a translator, whatever those, like, thankfully now we have apps that allow us to communicate in even more ways than we used to. But I think still at the end of the day, it's good to put yourself in a position where you do try and learn the language because it gives you far more mobility within the country and also a better ability to communicate with people living there yes i mean i think one of the things is that for me i think a lot one of the best things to do is certainly when i started to try and teach myself german one of the things is like build your vocabulary up as fast as you can worrying about um the 
grammar and conjugation is something that will come later with practice. But the more words you have and the more you can start speaking, the more likely it is that you'll be able to actually start communicating with people. Because people will work out what you're trying to say. Mm-hmm. Just as long as you have one or two phrases that you can say, you know, like this, this, this part is not something I'm very, you know, I'm not very good at speaking this language, but can you help me with this? Mm-hmm. You start there and then as you start hearing more, you start to pick it up. And I think that's an interesting thing, especially when you're in a, in a culture where you can be immersed in the language. Mm-hmm. It's important to have some very basic things and just learn words. Because the vocabulary, talking about objects, is probably more important than anything else. Mm-hmm. I agree. Especially when it, you're doing it from a survival point of view, where it's like, yes. I'm here. Like, if someone were to move to a country, they have to learn a new language, and they need to survive on the economy, on the local economy you really do have to learn the vocabulary first because your body language can also do a lot for you. So if, for example, you're in a country where a lot of the groceries are based on bartering or based on, you know, discussing prices, learning the vocabulary of numbers and the vocabulary of what items you're trying to purchase will go a long way for you because then you can use your body to say like, hey, like I'm pointing at this, this is what I want. And then using the vocabulary you have, you can say like two, three, four, whatever you're doing, and that can really help you. And then as you get better at the language, you'll become more nuanced. You'll get better and you'll get to the point where you can say like, hi, I would like to buy this many apples for this price. And the person will come back at you with the discussion or whatever it is. But I agree with you getting those basics down first and learning as many words, quote unquote words as you can. And then getting more nuanced with grammar, I think, is far more important yes. than getting the grammar perfect, but not knowing words. Yeah. Because, I mean, you can know all the stuff that you want to about the grammar, but you won't be able to say anything. Yeah, exactly. There was, yeah. Uh, there was always something that kind of frustrated me when I spoke French with French speakers. And me being kind of a French speaker, like, I, did, I do speak it. But I would never claim myself to be an expert. I'm, I'm definitely, it's my weaker language of my two languages mm-hmm. that I, I'm bilingual in. I would always get frustrated when people would correct me with the le or la, when you're uh, like describing yeah. items. And at the end of the day, like, I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to help me. They're trying to help me learn. And I get it. But there was also the frustration of like, you know what I'm saying, though. You still yeah. understand what I'm trying to say. Is it really more important for you to correct me than for us mm-hmm. to continue in the conversation, even though you know that I got this small part of the sentence wrong? You still understand yeah. what I'm trying to say. Like It's stuff like that that's kind of frustrating, and I can see why people get frustrated when they learn French. Is that is, It yeah. is a very irritating part of the language, is that the masculine feminizing of nouns people will literally stop conversations to correct you it's like <laughs> it's a chair it doesn't matter if it's masculine or feminine you still know i'm talking about a chair please yeah. let's yeah. move on with the conversation we don't have to focus on that <laughs> yeah i mean it's just like, like french generally speaking though i mean like compared to german is pretty easy once you once you understand the conjugation, generally speaking, you get through quite a lot mm-hmm. quite quickly. Yeah. Whereas German, as, as, as it stands, you have, you have three genders mm-hmm. and three cases as well, which makes it difficult. 
and then the grammar works in a particular way like where, where the verb appears in a sentence is different to what it would be in english and french the only thing in english and french that's different is where you put the um adjective yes in comparison to to, to things and that's just kind of like that's not too different you just flip it around yeah it's not too difficult in french it's in le chat noir whereas in english it would be the black cat so yeah. in english the adjective comes first in french the adjective yeah. comes after the noun yeah which which actually it's not too difficult to deal with really once you once you understand how to do it you just have to remind yourself to do the flip yep if you need to do that <laughs> um, but german sentences all sound a bit strange because you have verbs at the end of the sentence that have, relate to what's going on at the beginning of the sentence and all that sort of stuff so it makes it a bit more difficult but you know generally european languages like that are not too difficult to learn once you know one mm -hmm. i think you could you could move relatively easily between french and english and i think yeah and i agree german's a bit more difficult but i think you can do it like indo-european languages you can learn them without too much difficulty especially western european languages anyway they're all related they're similar but then moving over to something like japanese the thing is, is that i don't think the grammar in japanese is too difficult no it's more learning it's really the easy. kanji it's learning the writing system yes. that's hard i think that's yes. the hardest thing with japanese is just learning the writing system because the sounds are yes. easy Kaki, kukeko, yeah. the really easy, simple sounds. It's just learning the words and the writing system because it's really the yeah. writing and the context that gives you the language. So it's, it's a hard yeah. language in the sense that you're constantly thinking about the context and what sounds give you that specific kanji, which sometimes one of my favorite things to watch when I was in Japan would be seeing people talking and then they would stop what they were saying and they would write the kanji like in their hands, yes. yeah. like with yeah, their yeah, finger. Yeah, yeah. They would like pretend their finger was a pen and they would write the kanji in their hand and the person who they were speaking with would watch them do it. And then they would know, oh, that's what you're, the word you're using. Yeah. Japanese is yeah. so unique and interesting because it is a language that is completely based on its writing. It's interesting, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the only language I know of that has three scripts dedicated to it. Yeah. Well, two scripts specifically written for it, and then a third, which is borrowed from somewhere else. Mm -hmm. It's which fascinating. Is I, mean, I can't think of any other language that does that. No, not that I know I don't know of. of any other language. No. And then Chinese doesn't do that. They also use Roman language, the what they call Roman uh, language, which is yeah. our writing, like American writing with the, yeah. our letters. Yeah. So there's hiragana, kata. So technically they use four. They know how four. to read four. There's hiragana, katakana, kanji, and then they use Roman letters, which is yes. kind of insane when you think about it. Yeah. <laughs> like that's so wild to learn that much and to be considered a fluent Japanese speaker or to graduate high school, you have to know, I think it's 10,000 kanji. Is that correct? Right. Yeah, I think it's it a... It could be true, yeah. I think that's what it is. I could be wrong on the exact number. But I think you, you need to know a base number of kanji to be considered, a, you know, like a learned person. If you don't yeah. know those, that, that set number of kanji, then you can't speak in a way that makes sense, which we kind of do in English. But mm -hmm. that's for more like really high level words, whereas like yes. basic everyday speaking you really can kind of get around with a lot less <laughs> words in your dialect yeah. yeah you really can kind of just kind of go through it same with french yeah it's it's a very unique way of learning a language where it's 
solely uh, really is mostly based on the writing yes it's yeah it's, uh, it's so s yeah i don't know it's just so strange it's just that, that, that yeah that no other language does it so, i mean there are other languages that see sort of writing in a particular way or a particular script being exceedingly important and carrying weight but it i can't think of any other sort of language by itself that would use three scripts for itself no i mean you can see people who could read multiple scripts like there are people who can read arabic and they can read english without too much difficulty there are people who can read russian and english there are people who can read greek and english but they're two they're separate writing systems for separate languages mm -hmm. this is one language know. that uses these three writing systems for their one language yes fascinating it's so interesting i know that chinese is fairly similar where the the writing system is very important to the language mm -hmm. because it's you need the kanji to describe like that's what you're building your language on is the the picture the image of the kanji that's what you use mm -hmm. to speak um but what's interesting is that what's uh, an, another thing that's difficult with chinese is that they also use tones Yes. Tones affect which words you're trying to say, which is a whole other level of difficulty, which is also used mm -hmm. in Vietnam. Um, right. I don't know. There's probably another. <laughs> I was going to say there's definitely other cultures that use tones for specifying yeah. words. But I can think of those two specifically, Vietnamese and Chinese, where the, the tones give you different words. Yes, give you the definition of what the word is. Ugh is the word <laughs> that was always that was always something that like i couldn't get i tried like we had friends in high school who were chinese and they would try and teach us like certain phrases and stuff i couldn't get the tones i could i would try mm -hmm. so hard and they're like yeah it sounds wrong and i'm like i don't even hear i don't even hear what the difference is that's my problem yeah. is that i'm not even getting the basic like hearing auditory difference between the tones <laughs> <laughs> Language is so wild. <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot that can go on. Yeah, I know. Well, that kind of wraps up bilingualism for us. So yeah. Um, yeah. thank you for listening to Passport Necessary. Uh, if you want to leave us a comment, if you want to review us, please feel free to do so. It helps us out a great deal. Um, and if you have any questions, you can always, uh, like I said, leave in the comments or you can reach out to me on uh, Twitter. My handle is at Leila Gentil. That's L-E-Y-L-A-G-E-N-T-I-L. Um, and um, yeah, maybe at one point in the future, we'll collect all your questions and we'll answer them in a later podcast. I think that would be really yes, be fun. Idea. Yeah. Okay. So thank you everyone for listening. We'll see you another time. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs>